So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Oh, hi. Long time no see. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Enjoying our hopping oats. Hoppin a oats. repeat. Always good. Back at it. This has been one of my favorite beers from Hellbent for probably three years now. It's always reliable. Yep. Go in there, get a pitcher, play some pool. It's a good routine. It's, it's a nice a, routine. It's a nice afternoon. Uh, so we got Sci-Fi Spring finally. I talked you into it. I convinced you of it. We're doing it. It has arrived. We have three sci-fi films we're discussing. Mm-hmm. Claire Denise High Life. Doug Lyman's Edge of Tomorrow. Correct. As well as... I don't know who directed it or who wrote it, but Forbidden Planet. Starring classic. Leslie Nielsen. There you go. But, as always, we will start with first impressions. What do we have? We've got two big budget science fiction films coming late this year first we're gonna do star wars and then after that we're gonna do ang lee's gemini man starring will smith what are we doing first star wars let's do it the rise of skywalker a thousand generations live in you now but this is your fight Right, Michael. That's the rise of Skywalker, Star Wars Episode Nine, the end of a saga. What do you think? I have a question. Go for it. That Star Wars fans will probably shake their heads at the laugh at the end. Palpatine. That's Palpatine. Okay, just wanted to confirm. Yeah. I don't know my Star Wars laughs that well, but what? (laughs) I know. Uh, Don't know your Wookie. Oh, I would recognize a Wookiee. No problem. Uh, Big movie. Deserves a big trailer. It's a big trailer. It's an epic trailer. Um, It also feels small. In, in like, an intimate way? In a good way, you mean? Or... uh, Like, they didn't really... Maybe it's a good thing, because we don't know very much. Mm -hmm. But we saw a chase scene. Yeah. Twice. True. Right? We saw Adam Driver chasing down Rey on what appears to be Tatooine, and then we saw Oscar Isaac and the droids getting chased down by some Empire guys, or whatever the hell they're called now, yeah. uh, on also what appears to be Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe big in feeling was the better way to describe it. Um, or maybe, <laughs> did they, I don't know, because there was the remnants of one of those giant Death Stars, right? Uh-huh. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know my Star Wars well enough to know like what planet that would be like if they would have killed the life on that planet and would have crashed into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't see the Last Jedi until like nine months after it came out. I think I will try to see this one up front. Um, Maybe hop in that uh, IMAX 3D for free AMC. That sounds at pretty the cool. Mall. I, I like the sound of that. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, I'm excited. Um, I'm interested to see just how exactly this saga is wrapped up. I don't know what else to say. What about you? Um, I, I don't. I'm 
I'm emotionally resonant with the mo- with the trailer, mm. but that's also I feel like I'm being manipulated by the music. To be totally honest, oh, like sure. it's definitely it's always manipulating been a me. Big effect, but that yeah. jump cut with Ray, like I love that. I really want to see mm. what happens there. I want to watch that fight scene very much. I love um, what is that episode seven? Is that correct? Oh boy, you're gonna have to give me a title. Seven uh, is the first J.J. Abrams. Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I really, really like that. Just like on revisit, I, I love that movie. Um, not so much with um, the Last Jedi. Is that what the last one was called? You did not like that one as much. I didn't like the Last Jedi. And got it. Got after it. I, I've seen it like five times, and it Whoa. took a while, but um, <laughs> I definitely don't. I at the end of this, I'm like, I don't like it. Um, mm. I, I don't really like that movie as much. There's scenes that I think are absolutely stunning, mm. but just as a picture, I don't know that it works for me, and it kind of loses it, itself along the way, whereas The Force Awakens kept me in the whole time, and I really, mm. really like it on retrospect, um, much like the first Star Trek movie and the Star yeah. Trek reboots. Like, There's just something about J.J. Abrams' fan service and ability to actually create a, a holistic film that mm. I think I find more resonant than what I saw in The Lost Jedi. And that's mm. kind of what I'm feeling here is that emotional pulse again. Mm. So I'm I'm on board. It's a Star Wars yeah. movie I'm in. Yeah, I was maybe in the camp that did like The Last Jedi quite a bit. I think I liked it more than The Force Awakens. Well, you saw um, it once? Correct. Just yeah, once. Once I think you, I saw once both you once. watch it again and you're like, Okay, so those are like the dope samurai scenes that are amazing, mm. and in the the um, where they're fighting the royal guard, and you separate that mm. from like the casino planet. While Benicio del Toro is a great character, it's like why the fuck am I here? Like it just oh mm. the the runtime and everything like begins to break down the more you watch it and think about it. I think yeah, and that's been my experience with. M- most of the people that liked it at first and then started to not like it as much. It's like I don't mm. hate it. It's just. I thought it was like a perfect movie almost the first time I watched it because I was mm. so anticipated for it and it was so violent and cool and so much happened in that, that last fight, you know, with Luke and everything. But mm. now it's like, I, I don't know, looking once you have more time to process, maybe you'll watch it again before. Yeah, this. perhaps. Um, recap that. Yeah, I, I did respond to some of the more over the top qualities of The Last Jedi, which to me felt... Um, like the most space opera of the bunch in a in a way. Um, I, th- I think the humor was was better for me in the Last Jedi. Um, it obviously had a large amount of people not so thrilled with the direction of the franchise. So I will be very interested to see if this like feels more compromised to me because of just how many people said they they hated the Last Jedi, right? Um, I, Which I, I don't think is entirely... I, I don't think you can really hate that movie. Like, it doesn't really inspire hate. I guess you could hate what happens to characters. But, like, right, as but a it, movie, it's not hate-inducing by any means. But wasn't it, the like, the one in the franchise that people said they wanted, like, reshot and, like, re- remade? They said that about episode one as well. <laughs> that could be. I like the originals. Yeah. Or episodes one through three. I'm a fan of those. I do, too. Um, I'm a fan of George Lucas. If anything, yeah. I'd rather have the Lucas trilogy at the end here. But, hey, we got what yeah. we got. But, uh, yeah, I would uh, definitely discuss it on the podcast. So All right. So we it. will discuss it in January, hopefully. We got ways to go. We do. Angley. 25 years ago, they made you from me. 
chose me because there's never been anybody like me. We have to end this right now. You have all of his gifts without his pain. You made a person out of another person. Then you sent me to kill him. You made a choice to do this to me. Alright, we just watched the trailer for Ang Lee's Gemini Man, starring Will Smith, Clive Owen, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. What'd you think? Yes. Please. Sold. To quote Leslie Note, also known as Amy Poehler, and her debut book, yes please, give me more. I want more Ang Lee in my life all the time. I think he's one of the best 3D directors. I accidentally saw this before the Avengers uh, screenings that I did for Endgame. Cheater! God! In IMAX 3D. I saw it twice. Uh, I saw Avengers twice in IMAX 3D, and I saw this trailer twice in IMAX 3D. The 2D trailer is not as good as the IMAX 3D trailer. At all. Like, it's just Ang Lee's ability to use CG in... 3d space is i i think really something it's mm. very it, his um visual tone here reminds me a lot of luke Besson, and mm. i i see a lot of intermingling between angley and, and luke Besson in this mm. movie and uh, i mean what's the problem with will smith maybe he's not marketable enough you know maybe maybe he's only half as marketable as he was so let's just throw two will smiths in a movie boom same mm. level of marketing um mm. i I am all for this movie. Very excited for it. I anticipate it will probably end up in my top 20. I'm going to guess... I'm just going to take a, a gamble here and guess that it will bomb. Um, I don't understand what the selling point is. Um, I, I'm it's very... It's very international, isn't it? I guess, which... like I'm, I, I am like intrigued because it is Ang Lee. I'm like... Like what is the angle here from him? Like I I, I like Angli movies. Um, the premise itself it doesn't feel particularly fresh. Um, it's a man cloned to kill himself. Yeah, by the military uh, yeah. industrial complex. I mean I don't I don't know. There's that that alone isn't quite pulling me in. The 3D isn't quite as much of a selling point for me as it is for you. Um, I think we've talked about that in the past. Um, I'm not a huge Clive Owen fan. Will Smith, just you can take him or leave him. Probably most excited for Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I don't know what she gets to do. Um, I'm not really sure I understand what the selling point is. What's? I mean, it's, it, for you, it's mainly the look. For for me, it's um, Ang Lee is making a high budget IMAX 3D film. Yeah. Last time I I walked into one of those, I ended I didn't know what I was walking into, and I ended up loving it. And that was the life of Pi. Yeah. And um, so I, I just want to be taken on that ride again. Um, I think that Ang Lee really has a, a very stern vision. Um, even I, I would trust him more than Besson, where like the, the vision and the feeling that he's trying to evoke from his film, I think I always end up feeling at the end of it. Mm. Um, and I trust that he had the budget and got the shots to communicate the ideas in science fiction philosophy and to make mm. the people, to make normal people be able to feel what he wants to say enough that this movie is going to work for me. 
And I think that Will Smith as a performer is very reliable. I think Clive Owen as a performer is very reliable. Occasionally he can be close to perfect to see Children of Men. Yeah. Um, I love Mary Elizabeth mm-hmm. Winstead um, as well. So I'm excited for her in this role. And seeing the action cinematography incorporate the CG in IMAX 3D, it just... it it I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed Avengers. Just gotta go back and watch the trailer. That's that's your reason to go back to uh, Avengers. And there's nothing else that came out this week, so I'll just go yeah. do that. I'll get my A list ticket, walk in for the trailer, and then leave. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The only I respond to is more like, uh, is like the beach, Brokeback Mountain. Okay. Um, Still haven't seen that one. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yes. People where I can, where I'm, where I feel like I'm connecting with human beings. He did I make f- the beach, right? Is that right? Um, that Leo DiCaprio movie in the 90s? Like is that 95? on Wii? I feel uh, like it might be, but I, be. I might be totally wrong. But you, you didn't like The Life of Pi? I mean, I, I liked it, but I was not over the moon about it by any means. Oh. Um, 2000, uh, Danny Boyle picture, my bad. Oh, Danny Boyle. Got it, got it. Um, that makes sense. I could easily see them being mixed up. Um, that seems right. Um but yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 inter- interested to see why this story appealed to him um, beyond its beyond its beyond the potential for a, a spectacle. Um, well, maybe we should dig into what might have appealed to him by talking about some sci-fi philosophy and some sci-fi film ourselves. Well, that's a great idea. Let's get to the edge of tomorrow today. How many times have we been here? How many times? when you wake up. It's a new day, people. Who said you could talk to me? You did. Tomorrow. Your leg's broken. No, I, I can still feel my toes. Then we better start over. Come on. It's a new day, people. For me, it's been an eternity. All right, we're talking about Edge of Tomorrow. Today. Right now. Should we just loop this conversation? Just a whole podcast on repeat? I feel like that would be very meta. Yeah, I think um, Matt Singer, it's like most famous review on Letterboxd, or most popular review is this, and it's, uh, it, it like starts the same every sentence. Oh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's a nice touch. So this is, um, this is our first foray into science fiction with you um as on the show you're not too deep in sci-fi yourself not particularly no. what do you think about this one i like this movie quite a bit yeah i like it tomorrow um i thought it was super fun um maybe just a little long for my liking but otherwise i was totally engaged the whole time um this one's too long peter Lou, not just right yeah <laughs> Uh, uh, elephant sitting still. Perfect. Yeah, you're a monster. Perfect. You're a fucking monster. Yeah. Um, I think some of my favorite stuff is in the first half, um, mostly on the beach. That's or it's where a comedy. Of, where some of my, uh, it's not the comedy about that. It's just maybe some of the action, the look of some of that stuff, where I was just like most sort of um, thrilled by the action. It's just super slick. Um, yeah, I just think it's. Uh, 
super well put together, you know, between uh, the editing, camera placement, camera movement. It just moves. It just has a pace to it that just kept me uh, in it the whole time. Um, what about you? Yeah, this is one of my favorites. I have it around like an 83, 82, um, which is a four on Letterboxd. But it's, although that is its score, I, I could just rewatch this science fiction film more than almost any other besides like maybe pacific rim like there's just something about it that makes it so charming and yet so mm, human or or like its concerns are just so human that i can um and i believe these characters and and if doesn't feel like the the relationship doesn't feel inauthentic between emily blunt Mm. and tom cruise to a point where i can Mm. just really keep watching this thing Mm. I think we differ there. I think we'll probably agree on uh, how fun most of the action is. Um, I did have a harder time. Should I shoot with you them. in the head now so that you can, can we start try over? again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I certainly felt like uh, in casting, their star appeal probably took precedence over their chemistry with each other. Um, I, I don't know. I was never that swept up in them as a couple, or as a or, or swept up in like their well, romantic potential. Couple. Right, but I think we're. I think it is uh, playing up the romantic potential, right? I I mean maybe, but right. That's the complexity of this thing is it's not like Tom Cruise wants to fall in love with her. It's like he's put in a situation where he has to repeat this day, and the person he has to learn from, mm-hmm. the only person that can help him is Emily Blunt, and Emily Blunt mm-hmm. also had to do the same thing at the previous battle, which starts with a V. Is that right? shoot uh yeah I, I, it does I can't remember what it's called now um but and she had to do the same thing and the person that she had to keep living the same day over and over with she fell in love with and he died mm-hmm. the same thing is happening to tom cruise and like so separate yourself from the movie is that like a thing like if you had to live 80 days with this person who was teaching you something and was beautiful and you shared these moments with, would you slowly start to fall for them or feel something deeper? I think so. I don't think the movie articulates very well what you just said. I think you you can certainly describe that in words and, and I and I understand it, but I don't think the movie does in my in my experience it did it not It does at the end. I disagree. I don't think it does a very good job of really cultivating what it is they like about each other. So that house scene basically Mm -hmm. is the whole like it gives the full breakdown and you Mm -hmm. realize how many times they've been to this house already and that tom cruise keeps repeatedly doing it because she keeps dying and he doesn't want to leave her right like that doesn't do anything for you or like the fact that he Mm. knows these names that she shouldn't have told him no not really i mean that 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 i mean i feel like you're describing the the, the machinations of the script and not so much like the just like well that's the thing the we, filmic we chemistry between them we as aren't actors seeing the scenes where that stuff is happening right and that's what makes it almost more sobering or like more heartbreaking or more of a war movie to me is mm-hmm. that we're not getting to see these moments of of beauty happen between these two people that have clearly happened um, but like when he says certain names and knows like how she takes her her coffee or whatever and like already has the keys and stuff 
it, it shows me someone acting rather than talking. And sometimes that's how you mm. really tell who some when someone cares is by their mm. actions, not by their words. And mm-hmm. I thought that by actions, he absolutely clearly came to care for her. And mm. she trusted that he cared and believed him, but wasn't on the same wavelength as mm. him with those emotions. Um, and but she could still understand where he was coming from because of her own experience. And so mm. I thought that's why it was super rich because it's these two people that are separated by the lives they live mm-hmm. that are still in a situation where they have to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I wish for me there had just been a more substantive spark in the moment that we do see. I mean, that's that's all what we have to go off is I don't think the implication was... Um, that romantic. Um, I think the movie very much banks on her sex appeal. Um, and she, she looks that. fat. She does in in spares. Um, but uh, is that the phrase? Spades. Spades. Yeah. I was like, yeah, she has it to spare. I was mixing up those phrases. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I so, just <laughs> let me just ask you a question, and this might help me understand. Mm. At the end. When before he goes back and has to get her help to blow up the um, Omega, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he tries to do it all himself. Yeah. Okay, and but before he tries to do it all himself, he walks in, and he he walks up to to her because he's used to the pattern, and then he decides to not bring her in. Right. And the way that she looks at him, like, does that do anything for you? Zero. Okay. So that might, mm-hmm. yeah, that might just be like you're not there with this movie. And yeah. um, I honestly don't think I was in the first time I watched it either. This is maybe my mm. fourth or fifth time watching it. Whoa, okay. So, and, and I think that it honestly does reward more viewings. At least that's my experience. It's mm. like, be, because you already know what's going to happen, so you start paying attention to like the little things. And that'll happen mm. in any movie where you start paying attention to the little things and mm. it either falls apart or, or gets better. And I think it got better for me as I was noting the the facial tics where, she, like, you almost feel like she knows that something just, like, like her fate just changed. You can see almost on her face when he turns and walks away. Mm. Like, she doesn't mm. quite know what happened, but she knows that something just happened. And mm. um, I very much fall for that trope, if you will. Whether it's mm. literature um, where, like, you know, someone goes back in time and the fate that could have happened with these two people doesn't happen or if it's a film i think i would attribute that response more to editing than her performance where if we see her rising up out of her push-up position we cut to tom cruise and he walks away which we're not used to seeing him do and then we cut back to emily blunt we're adding up meetings meaning in that shot in a way that we haven't previously because of what transpired in shot two where we see him walk away i don't know that i see that's true that the editor is very responsible for this film just in general because of the fact that it's groundhog day in itself yeah but i mean she did have to give that scene like she did have to perform that scene in the first place so i do think you have to give some credit to the performers if it holds up in any way I could, I mean, maybe I was not looking close enough. I will, you know, be open to that. There's um, some eye choices she makes um, in that scene particularly mm. that she doesn't make, if I recall, in the previous scenes um, 
when they meet and it it very much left me interpreting that she knew that something had just happened that she couldn't comprehend and that maybe mm. she had a feeling about what it was yeah yeah and i um, think we all have those encounters with people at some point in our life where like we know that something just happened by not meeting them or something yeah. like when we just see someone yeah i'm i partly just wish i had gotten like a broader range of emotion from her like we definitely get that with tom cruise and obviously so because he is the one li reliving the day like we're going to see him respond to things in different ways and he's also not a warrior that's concerned oh the fight for verdun i remembered it verdun yes, yes. good memory um uh, but th that's the thing she's the full metal bitch like mm -hmm. like she won the fight for verdun or the battle for verdun and her only concern is winning this war. She already lost the person that she fell in love with on her mm -hmm. lived I repeat sequence. And now she's hardened. And we mm -hmm. come to understand that story throughout this film. And this is a war film. And like, I, I know that maybe in what is it, Enemy at the Gates, where Rachel Weiss and um, what's his name end up falling in love by the end of it. Is that correct? You said Inherent Face? No, uh, Enemy at the Gates. Oh, wait, why did I hear... Uh... Rachel Weiss. Oh, Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss, Weiss is the <laughs> sorry, love interest in yeah, Enemy yeah. at the Gates. It's a Russian war film yeah, yeah, about a sniper. Yeah. Um, I think it might be Ewan McGregor plays the other character. Um, Jude Law? Jude Law. Jude yeah. Law. Great movie. I mix those two up all the time. Um, and so, like, there is space for a war movie to have love. Yeah. And, yeah. But I think that this is just, like, the scope of this is while it has a limited budget you know 178 it did make back double its budget i do think that the necessity of this war keeps you keeps these characters from being able to open their hearts and i think we see that hard behavior from the squad itself and how long it takes tom mm. cruise to convince them to go on the suicide mission yeah um I don't know. I mean, I wish I had had the same response. And don't get me wrong, I'm positive on this movie, by and large. Um, I just would not sell this to anybody as a romance um, or for its romantic appeal. I don't think it's appeal. a romance either, but I do think that there is a, a subgenre of this film that is a romance because there are those days missing. Yeah. Um, and there is a certain subtext between these two characters. And there are... I, I think that Tom Cruise absolutely fell in love with Emily Blunt by the end of this movie. It's probably partly the but age it's difference. But it's like the, the the I don't think like the casting makes a lot of sense. Like I think there's like twenty years between them, twenty five. Yeah, that's exactly um, real life for Tom Cruise ever since Nicole Kidman. That is just how he goes. Well, that doesn't make it better <laughs> for me. That, that doesn't. That would never make me say, oh, okay, I'm on board because Tom Cruise plays down. <laughs> that doesn't gonna help. Um, um, yeah, I I, I, I wish I could I I, I wish I could see the, the the complexity. I mean, I I see that the same hardened fighter um in emily blunt doing the same thing over and over um which is the point but um it also doesn't make for anything more than a one-dimensional character for me um I, I i wish i could feel that that depth so um, okay Th this is pure speculation from what i gather mm. but the rumor mill says that may. the second film is focused on emily blunt Oh, I didn't know there was a sequel. I'm excited. It's okay. being written now, based on my understanding. Um, I think Doug Lyman and Christopher McQuarrie might have worked out the logistics together. I, I don't know how it is now. It's like its fourth screenplay. Um, mm -hmm. Because Emily was busy doing Jumanji. Is that right? 
Did she oh. do Jumanji? No, no, she did Jungle Cruise with Dwayne when they wanted to shoot mm. the second one. So now they're rehashing the screenplay. Um, but Tom Cruise is supposed to be a side character, or not a side character, but he's supposed to be more Emily Blunt role. And Got Emily it. Blunt's going to be doing the live die repeating. Interesting. Is this like the, the Verdun thing? Or I think it will be going back. Be, because um, I, based on what I understand, it's that loop sequence has ended. So now they're going to go further back in time to try to the alien races, rewinding time further to try to win that battle a different way to try to win in the future a different way. Yeah, yeah. So it, I, I like I that. Know. It's it's exciting. Yeah, it's definitely not that I like dislike Emily Blunt. And, um, I would I will happily beat you up. She's one of my favorite actresses. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> um, I would. I will happily show up for round two, uh, primarily for the action itself. Maybe we need to go um, salmon fishing in the Yemen just so we can agree on something. That sounds painful. But oh, it's a nice movie. It's a nice movie. <laughs> Screw you. Um, but yeah, I would show up for round two. So let's just diverge into um, Doug Lyman. Mm-hmm. What do you think of his direction here? I think it's pretty sharp. No doubt. Um, I mean, the, the, the movie just moves. Like, it, it just uh, it just feels seamless. The action sequences themselves just uh, feel completely um, or, organic and um, are, are super engaging. I think he just knows how to uh, construct things to um, keep the excitement level, like, really steadily high. Um, I am uh, 100% positive on the direction. You? Agreed. There, there's some, cr- I think, crazy action cinematography. And I don't know like who gets credit. I'm, I, probably everyone gets credit. Editor, yeah. director, cinematographer. Um, They're all in sync. Staging. Like, yeah. they're, right, cause it, there's some scenes that start 90 degrees away from where they end up. And it's like almost all CG that they have to shoot besides live actors mm-hmm. wearing like what you assume is CG suits. Yeah. And just the way that some of those scenes in like we're talking one take shots where it's like, what oh, the yeah. fuck? Like 30 seconds of action, CG laden cinematography all oh, yeah. coming together. Yeah. It just blew, it blows my mind now. Like I can't believe some of this stuff exists. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like one of my biggest like frustrations with action cinema can be like super frenetic editing and fast editing and i I think like the average shot length here just feels long in like a fantastic way like you're just allowed to watch the camera move and take all this in and it all your eyes just believe what you're seeing absolutely um kind of 100 percent at the time um i think i prefer like the bright the more brightly lit sequences on the beach like that was just my favorite stuff i think that's Um, the best beach invasion scene that's ever been shot in any film, just action-wise. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, the ending uh, at the Louvre, right? Mm-hmm. Um, still good. I still like it, yeah. but I don't know. I, I think the, the, the best stuff is in half one, um, where I was most psyched. Yeah, where they spend probably $100 million of the 172 Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like they, were, they looked at the bill halfway through, they're like, oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> Turn down the light. <laughs> Yeah, it is easier to do CG with different lighting. <laughs> All right. Well, that's um, Edge of Tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow we'll watch it again and talk about it then. But that's it for now. Onward. You explore all the wonders of a vanished civilization. 
you travel deep down into the heart of the forbidden planet to discover the incredible marvels of this lost genius race. These magnificent scenes in striking Eastman color stagger the imagination. To the taboo. To the forbidden, sorry. Not the taboo yet. We'll get witchy later. This is the forbidden planet. The... Is it the Forbidden Planet or Forbidden Planet? One of the I'm two? calling it the Forbidden Planet, but it okay. is Forbidden Planet. Understood. Uh, a personal favorite. Mm-hmm. I understand. This is one of my favorite films of the 1950s. It, where does it rank among film of all time? Is that up there? Mm, or the 50s it's in the top great? 100. Okay. So the 50s, I'm not studied on. Got it. That's yeah. more than anything that's true. Yeah. But it is solidly number one. I don't know if it's number one. Okay, okay. I, I I can look. Do you want me to look? Yeah, check the okay. list. Why not? Why don't you break down Forbidden Planet while I pull up the 1950s? Uh, subject, I, I think the director is Fred Wilcox, if I remember correctly. Um, director is Fred M. Wilcox. I stand corrected. The writers here are Cyril Hume and Irving Block. Uh, based on the book of... Is that right? Oh, uh, based correct. on story by story correct. By. Yes, those are they are credited as writers on IMDb. It is my number one of the nineteen fifties. Nice go. There you go. After just watching it, I don't know that I put it above Vertigo, but it's definitely ah. a coin toss for me between the two. With I'm House different. on the Haunted Hill at third, they're different enough, right? They yeah. can tie. Yeah. I love Vertigo. There Man, you go. That's tough. Yeah. Um, subject matter. Uh, in a distant future, is that safe to say? I don't uh, remember what 2200s, the year is. I think. Yeah. 2200s, a uh, space crew descends on the planet Altair 4. And we meet Dr. Morbius. And um, because the crew persists and stays too long, they end up meeting his daughter, mm-hmm. Alta, or Altaira, mm. which I think is heavily laden with symbology myself, especially considering mm. the nature of the film being Freudian and mm. what the word Alta means, which is high. Altira means um, high or a, a flying bird. Very mm. Steven Soderbergh of them. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, and then Altair, I believe is like reverent and the highest mountain. And those are uh, Altair and uh, Altaira are Arabic. But mm. Alta is Latin-based in Spanish, and um, a word that is commonly used to refer to uh, Mary. Ah, got it, got it. Interesting. Um, I'll just get it out of the way. I was cooler on it than you. Yeah, you're a little um, For sure. Um, but still positive on it. Um, I actually think I've gone up on it, like, in the days after it. Um, I was s- s- psyched about the story the premise, the material. I didn't feel that the direction sold or served the material particularly well for me. Um, I know that's painful. I just got to get that out of the I way. Mean, I think I get it, but like, let me just suss it out. So, like, yeah. Do you, did you want it to have a higher budget and for everything to not be a painting? Like, how how did you mm. see it being shot? Due to the fact that all the backgrounds are paintings. For example, at the like fifty minute mark, when Doctor Morbius 
finds the two men snooping around his office, he says, you know, okay, it's time I come clean and tell you what's going on. That's That just felt like 10 minutes of an exp- exposition dump. Like, I don't think those conversations are um, shot in any way that makes the dialogue feel that compelling like i i kind of feel to myself like i like i would be getting just as much by reading this on paper um i I think the production design is great like and do you think those scenes would have been better if they were shot better yeah of course i mean i mean that's that's what like shot variation for me can do right it's just like you know different different angles like mix it up with with close-ups and and, and, and two shots and do do you think um, there's any validity to the idea that this is a complete 100 percent prop set on a studio lot and that they might be logistically impaired by the camera size at that point the crew size at that point the lighting at that point and the way that all this stuff was faked together to create the facade that maybe they were getting the shots that they knew that they could actually get within the budget entirely possible i would grant it all those things but like i can only like i i only handicap like a movie so much like it's not like you just you i don't know that that's not criticism to me it's like finding those those reasons to excuse why you're not feeling something every step of the way it's like i think very low budget productions still find interesting ways to make um inner dynamics between characters interesting um I wish it had just come off the page a little in a, in a bit more lively of a fashion. Um, and I think think that's why, like, I've liked it more in the days afterward is, like, I think the material is good, but the experience of watching it was was not that compelling. Like, I think I like Barbarella more uh, during the actual <laughs> viewing. Um, but this is obviously, like, way more thematically rich. Um, yeah, I mean, even if they were bound to a set i mean i don't know that they can't just uh shoot it better just by 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 varying the shots a little bit i don't know that's an impossibility um but uh yeah i mean i do i do think there is a lot here for sure which would you like to shed light on that i think that due to the the painterly backgrounds mm-hmm the way that they shoot everything very broad allows the humans to feel like they're inhabiting a space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like they're they're people on an area, um, and and I think that this is more about the planet itself and its story than it is about humanity until the end. And so mm. I think that the way that it's shot, while is totally ripe with criticism, it's certainly not shot by Kubrick. You know, you're not getting these crazy cool shots, but I do think that looking at the budget and just to me thinking about the logistics of a project like this and even the fact that it was made. Yeah. Um, and the, the set, the sets that they made for it being made and probably Mm. how hollow they were and, (laughs) and what they got out of this budget, I thought was super rich. I mean, God, if you watch that scene with the tiger and you really watch it and you pause it and mm. you look, you can see the, the film tear where they mm. were cutting the tiger out, walking through a separate frame, and then they colored the background of where the tiger was to be where they wanted the tiger to be. And you can yeah. literally see the film cut. Like this is when film was cut and they and like the CG for the yeah. id monster and like the laser guns. 
I, I don't know. Show me another 1950s movie that does some of this st- stuff at such a bodacious level. Yeah. And and I, I just think it's very special. And I think that it's an interrogation of some German philosophy um, with like the the feminine ideal, which Alta is the very beginning. Before yeah. we find out her name is Altaira, she's just called High. She's re- referred to as Mary in um, Spanish. It, I, I think that the the way that she presents herself, she doesn't understand she's sexual, much like Barbarella. Yeah, she doesn't yeah. understand that her outfits are sexual in any way. Um, and she is asked to change herself so that the men can bear her um, mm-hmm. or deal with her. Or, you know, like it's, it's, I think, very rich in idea about like what man requires out of the Mm. world around it like it doesn't allow things to be naturally the way that they are and we see Mm. that from the space crew towards alta which is high (laughs) and then we see that from dr morbius against the spacemen taking his daughter away from him which is Mm. his highest pursuit yeah yeah i think i found less to chew on in terms of like the the sexuality of it I think I came at that from more of, like, an ironic angle, something about, like, no matter how advanced we might be, we're never going to be above these basic instincts for sex and alcohol. To me, Mm -hmm. there was just some ironic, good ironic amusement in that. I would agree. Um, I was definitely, like, just seeing more from my own background. Like, her first costume is very much like an Athenian costume. I think she's mm -hmm. even wearing those, like, Athenian sandals. She just very much looks like a striking Greek goddess at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I Yeah, the, the idea I kind of started drifting to in uh, the, the days after watching it was thinking of it kind of as like Cold War film and uh, a film about like the anxiety over technology. like McCarthyism even? Yeah, yeah. These, these guys potentially becoming equipped with technology uh, beyond which they should ever really have, right? That, that feels very relevant to the era in which it was released i think i think that's sort of just an interesting way to look at it um and uh yeah i mean i don't think i've said how much i do like the look of it like in terms of the production design i do think that's like kind of the best so thing you do about like it. the art of it the production design for sure the yeah. sets um yeah particularly um robbie robbie's great like yeah i mean that's kind of hard <laughs> not to like um most of the stuff uh below ground i thought looked great the lock um i mean what? the 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 lock to open up the oh yeah, yeah. the door right um yeah yeah and then the, all the the fancy stuff in there but then like the uh what is it the sub ver the subdermal vent shaft uh they go in that, that? yeah they yeah, take yeah. that elevator yeah, yeah, yeah ship yeah. thing into the earth yeah, yeah. it's like 20 miles by 20 miles by 20 miles or something like it's yeah just... yeah but that was like a good example where he says like gentlemen like you know i hope you're ready to i don't know you know he says something like you know to the effect of have your mind blown right like i wanted like something to heighten that a little bit if it was you know a close-up or even music um rather than being told it was kind of a show don't tell thing um that was kind of happening there i wanted to be more kind of enraptured by it um but uh yeah i don't know you bring up kubrick like i don't think this is um 
that different from 2001 like in its ideas in a lot of way if you think if you kind of subscribe to the idea that 2000 2001 is about these great leaps in like the evolution of mankind and um mankind or yeah uh becoming equipped with these new levels of technology at various stages in our evolution um this feels highly relevant to that same kind of topic of um you know the potential for us to become equipped to things that we maybe should never even deal with mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't know i think there's a connection there that's worthwhile yeah i, I think that's also doing some grappling with the consequences of world war Two, right it, specifically that scene where when they're in the um the krell um labored laboratory for lack of a better yeah, word yeah right and he goes that's 10 to the 10 that's 10 to the 10 to the 10 that's 10 yeah. to the 10 to the 10 and just like the scale of that and th- that's kind of what we did with the atom bombs yeah and yeah. W- we've gotten much bigger and, and more explosive with them now right it was uh the ones we dropped were like the weakest ones that i think have been made essentially on uh hiroshima so, I mean, just the the zeitgeist of what was being dealt with at that point in time, I, I think, is very rich in this film. Um, and, and I think that it's there is a certain level of earnestness and sincerity to it that makes it age well. The fact that we really feel like, al- although maybe it's wrong, like, although maybe I interpreted it as wrong that she fell in love with any of the spacemen, Mm. there is something sweet and true about the fact that these are like the first spacemen she saw right and they like there's a toddler level of honesty to her where she's like i like the end ones but yeah. she doesn't yeah, like yeah. the middle one the first yeah. time she sees these men she's excited to see Earthmen. it's her first time seeing them um there's just something very funny about it and then um just like a small note on their hat they have that um planetary um symbol it's i think yeah. like a comet going through a circle yeah. And it, it very much looks like the masculine symbol, like for male, you, you know, where it's like oh, the circle yeah, yeah. with the um, arrow pointing up. Yeah. And yeah. it also looks like the foot of the mm. id. It looks, uh-huh. it looks abstractly like, I like both. that. I like that. And mm. I, I thought like just the level of art design in this thing is just next level to me. Like there's just so much rich subtext yeah. to it. Yeah. This is super specific, not broad at all, but I don't think I've ever seen a sci-fi film where humans are flying the flying saucer like ship and not the aliens that was a nice little reversal and especially something i think i read this is like the first sci-fi film to ever be set on like another planet um just for a film this um or in the early days of sci-fi to do something that now seems like the opposite of what we know yeah Um, i don't know just an interesting little touch um but uh yeah i mean I think maybe I'm coming around on it to some degree. Well, good. <laughs> I'm glad I can bully you. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is my favorite film of the 1950s, maybe. Vertigo is very much one of my favorite films of all time, and this is as well. It's it's just so rich with science fiction philosophy, right? Mm. Like Like, they just spend a tiny amount of time, but they bring in Asimovian rules with Robbie, right? Where Can you explain that to me? So he gives him the order to kill. Oh, yeah. He gives yeah. Robbie the order to kill. And Robbie can't complete that order because of um, the instruction that's built into him. 
and mm-hmm. they make it very much of that world but the those that there's the three rules of asimov which asimov introduces in the mm-hmm. foundation series um for the robots where mm-hmm. they, they can't harm others or other mm-hmm. sentient life forms um but they have to obey commands of humans and so mm-hmm. there there are some short stories of his and i think maybe a novella where there's just this whole breakdown of this this robot i think he's stuck on a moon or on mars where he just doesn't know what to do because if he leaves he'll kill someone who fell down a well and if he if he doesn't leave then he'll die um but mm. if he leaves he could save him and if he he leaves he could kill him and so mm. it, like the the robot like stays there for like thousands of years or something mm. it's it's this very rich idea of like if you program a robot with these syntaxes to do these things mm. what are the consequences yeah right and um we see that at the end when he's commanded to kill or to stop the id monster to kill the id monster and he knows that he can't because it is morbius himself yeah yeah i mean i think you can very much uh talk about robbie in uh contrast or comparison to Hal in in 2001 Mm -hmm. um you could probably do a whole whole series just kind of on ai right and robots throughout cinema um i've never actually seen um ai that was Spielberg, mm-hmm. right? Haley Joel. Um, are there other ones you would put in that program? In the program of robots, well, I mean uh, uh, C three PO probably. Just yeah, yeah. specifically right the um, philological um, background there because he is a, mm. a, a robot built for speech, and Doctor Morbius is a, a speech doctor who's yep. studying this civilization and he creates Robbie from his understanding of languages. I would just compare them. But I mean, like, the best robots of all time? Jeez. Um, Michael Fassbender comes to mind. I was trying to remember. Yeah, I was saying he was a robot. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah the guy in the original Alien yep. turns out to be a robot. Yeah. You could program that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> let's let's uh, do, do a robot program. Uh, just one last divergence yeah i i do think that they could have been very dialed into sci-fi whoever wrote the screenplay Mm -hmm. um and they could have been in contact with some of the folks working on the cutting edge because we have a character named um boson and eight years Mm -hmm. later the higgs boson particle is confirmed oh interesting so i i i'm reading into that absolutely but i do think that there could be something to that um, love it morbius is somewhere between morpheus and the mobius strip the yeah, mobius yeah. strip is how we explore the ideas of space-time relativity with entangled um time and inverting on itself it's a clockwork uh clockwise loop of a single strip and that's how we like try to envision time on on a single plane through um a realm of, of other dimensions and then Morpheus is the idea of dreams. And I think that that very much plays into the id monster. Um, Love it. And then, of course, Leslie Nielsen's character, Captain Adams, Adams, Adam, A-T-O-M, A-D-A-M. That there's just implicit meaning all over this thing, if you look for it, I think. And I, I think that it's not all 100% um, on accident. I think some of it's definitely explicit. And now for my most complicated question of all, favorite scene. Hmm. I think it's really touching when we see Alta bring her friends. I, I think it very mm. much makes us understand who this person is that doesn't behave in these earthly ways, that she thinks that these things are friends. 
and that she loses them when she becomes a human. Mm. I, I think that that very much speaks to the idea of the, that feminine divine of that certain godly quality that she seemed to have and then lost. Love it. How about you? The id monster is pretty hard to beat. That seems like an obvious choice. So just to name a second one, the scenes where we uh, are the camera sort of like embodying the id monster, id, that id, is invisible. That's great stuff. Going uh, into the ship, love it. it. Where it shows the stairs, yeah, compress. But okay, so which id monster scene? Breaking into the crawl door or um, attacking the gate? I was thinking the gate. Enemy at the gate. Great stuff. <laughs> You lied to us. You knew it. The sensation, moving backwards. Yeah. Even though we're moving forwards, getting further from what's getting nearer. Now we're talking about Claire Denise High Life with Robert Pattinson, Juliette Binoche, Mia Goth, Andre Benjamin, aka Andre 3000. Where do you stand on this one? You know, I liked this movie about a bunch of lowlifes stuck in space on a prison ship. I did like it. I don't know that I know what I think about it. I'm happy to talk about it here with you, but it's by no means the end of my experience with this film. I plan on watching it again probably this year. Me too. And I have a feeling I'm going to need to watch it a few more times in my life to really get a better picture on how I interact with this film. Because I do think that Claire made something that is very um, much driven by the body, that is very much something that will change with age and will have different meanings as I navigate my own life. And I go from being a single dude who drinks beer with his friend on a Saturday and talks about movies to Mm. maybe having a kid of my own. There you go. Um, So I, I am excited to spend the rest of my life slowly watching this film well said i think i'm in the exact same boat um i i didn't have this sort of um epiphany that you know sometimes you hope to have within a movie um i don't know that everything totally like clicked into place for me um that just got me to that next level with it but i also like just can't stop thinking about it Um, There are things about it in pieces that I wholeheartedly love. I think the craft is kind of just impeccable. Um, I just can't kind of help but think that, like, on future viewings, even just a second viewing, it'll maybe kind of skyrocket. Um, But, um, yeah, I think just like you said, I might just need more time with it. Um, I think there is a lot there, and everything I did see I responded to but to just kind of get into that next like level with it um, I need to wrestle with it more and I think I like that I think that's a good thing sometimes you get all you think you're going to get out of a movie in one go and you love it but that's also not a great sign that you think you've squeezed all the juice out and now it's empty right I think I like kind of barely tapped this thing somehow Yes. Um, so uh, I can try to talk about it but it's kind of hard to be honest it is tough. Um, <laughs> why don't we just start with something totally random? Okay. What do you make of the Native American on the fire, or in front of the fire, on that screen? What do you make of that? Oh, you mean the uh, black and white like movie that is playing for the baby? I mean, if it's black and white, it's black and white, but it's the movie oh, right. playing for the baby, and it plays at the end, too, right? I have, I have no idea. 
God, I really wish I had a take on that, but like, um, I, 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 I don't know. I really don't. Do you have thoughts? I, right. Fire, smoke, Native Americans, right? They're, they're, they're not all dead, but their, their culture is largely dead. Their Mm. history is past. Um, and what little remains, you know, is slowly coming to us in the forms of television and things like that. But their way of life is gone. It's up in smoke. Mm. And I, I do think that there is some sort of a spirituality communication of that truth that Claire is is committing to us. This is her second English language film. I I do think that that probably meant something to her. This idea of making a film for America, um, mm. perhaps, and that maybe she did ch- choose to lay in some American symbolism, and in. A way that she hasn't for America before, and I think that that might be one of the turnkeys mm. for what she did. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what movie it is, but it's not the first thing that comes to mind if I were to put a movie on for a six-month-old, right? So it, it clearly seems intentional, um, but uh, yeah, and it's just I, always on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We come back to it on multiple occasions. I yeah. think. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh all of the scenes between uh robert pattinson and that baby um really did hit me in like a pretty big way um you know that this is yeah i mean i don't know something about this this just how brutal this movie is at times on on more than a few times um those those moments of real gentleness seem to like just really balance it somehow um it's just also not that often you see a kid that young on screen for that long um perform that well he kills it she uh it's a she um uh, well who knows because well no it is a baby i, I guess remember. we do see that it's a she at one point yeah. when he's yeah, watching you're right. her. so yeah um, i know that sometimes with babies they will just use whichever baby acts it, whatever is gonna it go matter. with it yeah. yeah you can say whatever it is we don't know yeah but i, I, I mean th- that's some of the first stuff we see and i was pretty taken with that right away um and i do like do kind of respond to how this movie can shift pretty quickly between some scenes that are quite savage and then suddenly quite gentle um and yeah i mean i have something about you know the idea that these are death row inmates these are people who have been condemned to death you know and that comes with a certain value judgment that we've put on on them as human beings and this also being about the potential for them to give life. Um, I still don't know really how to like articulate that, but I, I don't know. It's, it's just somehow a thing I respond to. Right. I don't know what, um, yeah, that's, to say about it in more detail. That's, that's why I guess I just kind of described the plot, but it like, it's also the theme. I, yeah. That's why I think sci-fi philosophy is so rich and why I wanted to do this to begin with, because we, we don't really watch sci-fi movies. Yeah. Uh, as a show, or we haven't before. Um, we've watched a few. You know, Barbarella was really just like me trying to slowly ease you in for, for yeah. what to expect, which I think might have helped prep you for Forbidden Planet in some ways. Yeah, for sure. More than anything. But there, there is a, a history of philosophy and I think a history of even psychology that is tied to the exploration of space 
as we come to understand it. And we have different layers of understanding. We observe different phenomena in the universe, and then we begin to build our schools of thoughts around it. And these science fiction films come from very different schools of thought about ideas. You know, we have the ground, what is called the Groundhog Day idea, largely, with Edge of Tomorrow, where it's, you know, live, die, repeat. It's this idea that you have to keep repeating the same day until you come up with some sort of a solution. That is a very rich idea. Um, We can't really envision how it would exist in practical senses, but it is an idea that we as a species encountered and are fascinated with based on the fact that Mm -hmm. we watched Happy Death Day to you. Mm -hmm. We watched Happy Death Day. We watched Groundhog Day. We watched this. You know, there is an idea of this. There is the idea of the um, subconscious that we saw in Forbidden Planet. Then in Mm -hmm. High Life, there's this idea of like, we live here. We live on something that is a planet. We know planets die. We know we die. Therefore, we know that it has Mm -hmm. to die. We also know that we want to live. And we're wrestling with that truth while we're wrestling with the idea of a singularity. Mm. And I think that even Forbidden Planet wrestles with a different idea of a singularity. It wrestles with the idea of a technological singularity. Um, and, and so I, I yeah, I, I think that this is just one of those films that is so rich and sincere from Claire with ideas that it's it's almost like we could what do you want to talk about we could talk about the witch for two hours yeah yeah. let's get witchy with it you know or we could talk about mia goth wrestling with this idea of being forced being imprisoned into bearing life against her will and is that even worse than the rape that was going to happen to her like it's just so rich with these ideas what is worse rape or artificial rape and having to bear its child and then the way that she kills herself yeah. And the way that her killing herself on that ship causes that other girl to kill herself. Yeah. And and how about suicide? How about radiation? Mm. Like it's just mm. so rich with these ideas that we could just talk about the stuff forever. But like yeah. where do you want to bear yeah. in? <coughs> that is hard to say. There's I I don't know. It's just just kind of have to talk and just kind of see where it where it takes you, I guess. Um yeah, I I mean the 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 tone is is so strange because it does feel like very um, sort of singular but like there are different tones here like just as she sometimes does come across as very witchy just like she describes herself um, and that seems to lean into sort of like say you're a babe and you know it yeah you're if you're foxy and you know you're it foxy. gray line um, you know, that seems to kind of lean into like this sci-fi horror kind of mode almost and then it can very easily sort of swivel into something erotic and then all of a sudden those things are kind of colliding in one i mean that's just like incredible direction right that's just artistry behind the camera like how all those feelings kind of give way to each other Um, okay so how about the complex i don't know if this was your experience i i might have just messed up but i had the most stunning reaction to robert pattinson and his caught with Mm. a girl sleeping against him with her leg over him based on the previous parts of this film I understood what that meant to me that this was a mm. girl that wanted to have sex with him mm. or had had sex with him and then he kicks her out of bed like literally kicks her out of bed mm. and she goes back to her cot and he discovers that she had had a period and then it slowly mm. like is realized because she's like not wearing a bra like you can very much see her um, her body 
It's a very somatic mm-hmm. film. We can see everyone's bodies at oh, some yeah. point in this film. It's very body laden, and it comes to pass that like this is not someone who's amorous for him. This is his daughter. Yeah, yeah. And that shift for me was just so hard. Oh yeah. Like it. It, was... it didn't click for me right away. Um, okay, so so no. it, it's not something that like I should have known. Right, because there's this girl that's waking up with her leg over Robert Pattinson in his bed. There's yeah. a certain assumption that we're going to make based on the previous part of the film that we spent time in that yeah. this is sexually based, or at least companionship based yeah. in some yeah. way. Um, with maybe lust, but lust that can't take over. And then the fact that it's his daughter, and that I, I as a viewer, was putting that on the... Like, that I was interpreting that. And that she yeah. didn't know any better, but maybe he did. Yeah. But like, yeah. it's just, it's such a dense scene to me. Yeah, I wish I could remember, like, exactly when it dawned on me that that was his daughter. And I think that's exactly I like, figured it out, like, the scene after. Just them talking, just, I don't know, something yeah. more simple. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it did just suddenly click. And then I was trying to, like, rewind in my head. I'm like, what, what the if, fuck? Yeah. It, <laughs> um,. And yeah, I don't know. I, I I do like that sort of oblique approach that is letting me make these associations myself, right? Like it, this is really not holding your hand in any way through the narrative. Um, I, I find that very freeing. It makes it the the move. It makes the movie have some space in which you can move around in. No pun intended. Sorry, um, I think maybe why I I think it's so rich is um, it comes back to this like deeper. Maybe it's a deeper idea. I don't know. It's a base idea that I have, which is like, what are we in space? What are we as a space-faring creature? Especially if the planet is dead. What are we? The, the mm. fact that this man is waking up in bed with his daughter and her leg is draped. Like, right? It's like when we look back at um, tribes where like women were owned and daughters of the father of the tribe would marry cousins of the tribe like it's mm. it's back to that idea of like what are we when we're there mm. especially when we're in that group over that amount of time like what if we were there for a thousand years who do you who do you sleep with who do you breed with do you who are we what are we and, and i think that in space that that just that scene really reminded me of that deep idea of like who are we yeah yeah, it it, it it unsettled me for sure, yeah. right? In a in a very it's an big unsettling way. Yeah. <laughs> philosophical question: Who are we if we're not mm. here? Yeah, yeah. If we don't have seven billion people to choose mm. from, yeah, and we're stuck in a coffin yeah. going towards a black hole, yeah. At yeah. what is it? Point nine or ninety-seven point six? The speed of light. Who are we? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah just the meeting of the ideas like it keeps describing you know this thing as like a like a trash can like we were garbage that we were tossed out in and yet like once you're inside this ship it just feels so erotic right um like something about how beautiful the film is just like in terms of like your immediate response to it right like it's these purples and blues and it's kind of this sterile environment and all that kind of meets with the, the idea suits are of very them. Organic. They look the great. fabrics great are very suits, organic. Right? right? No, it looks naturalistic, right? Yeah. Very, like very somatic. Very, very. It doesn't even look like cloth. Mm. It looks like an organic cloth. It looks like a cloth made of organic composite material. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it all just uh, is very 
um, just pleasing on the eye to some extent um, and then uh, strikes you as unsettling so fast sometimes. Um, what do you think of the wrench? The wrench? Uh, him dropping the wrench? Yes. Um, I don't know that I uh, made too much of it. What are you thinking? Oh, that broke sci-fi for me. Oh, because right? it fell, you mean? Yeah. Well, oh, right, that's um, the thing. Did it fall? Are they close enough to the black hole that it went towards the black hole gravitational pull? Or are they moving at the speed of light, and as soon as it separated from the motion of the speed of light, did it slow down to um, normal speed, and that appeared to be it falling? Yeah. I, like, I don't know uh, what it did. Yeah, it in the moment. sci-fi. It broke it. In the moment, I thought to myself, like, okay, maybe this movie is just, like, not concerned with rules. Like, that's kind of beyond the point of it. Her interview said otherwise. Right. I think they I think they say at some point it's just about the speed at which they're moving, right? I don't remember if that was relative to the black hole or not, but I thought that there was... Well, that's the thing. They tried to rationalize to the black hole it. ...to yeah. send expeditions there in small ships. We see Mia Goth explode her head doing so. Oh, yeah. Very Athenian, right? So... If they're close enough to a black hole for that, then there is a gravitational pull from the black hole. Mm. But the thing is, is it falling towards the black hole or is it falling towards this away from the super light speed? Mm. Or is it doing both? Like it's probably doing both. It's just it's such a it was such a like a door in the face, like a door mm. where a window should like it just broke all conventions of sci-fi right you watch sandra bullock and gravity she mm. can go grab the thing you watch uh love and death in the time of robots or whatever love death and robots um oh, yeah and there's a, a scene where she um drops something and, and it's it follows science fiction expectations like I, we i think at least i have these sci-fi expectations when mm-hmm. i see something fall in space it just like fuck you you're like wait a minute we're on a ride. <laughs> so you liked it. <laughs> I did. I, I think I, I, I do. I definitely, I was startled. Certainly alerted it you to something. It startled me. Yeah, yeah, it was like a creepy monster in a horror film. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, similar to how he's, like, dropping the bodies out of the ship, right? Yeah. And they just plummet. And I was like, yeah. what are, why are you letting, <laughs> my thought was, why are you letting, like, organic compost go? Like, mm. why aren't you letting these bodies decay and using them for the garden? was my thought yeah. i still don't know yeah. why they did that yeah 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 some of those scenes in the garden were, were quite interesting and you know that that textural change right just from the garden versus the very sterile rest of the ship andre benjamin slowly decaying andre benjamin slowly very decaying. Nice. Yeah. gone i like him uh yeah i was thinking about andre benjamin uh and the outcast uh album et aliens I was oh, like, I'm all about it. Oh, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna try to draw a line between Outkast's Alien album and High Life, <laughs> and I got nothing. <laughs> How many times did you listen? A couple times okay. to Aliens specifically. And I was even looking at the lyrics. I'm like, yeah, it's not there. It's not there. I tried, <laughs> but she wanted him. I, I find it very I, interesting right? that she wanted him, and she yeah. flew out to convince him. Yeah, uh, I was a almost, very small role. I had heard that beforehand. Yeah, and I was like, oh, maybe he's like going to be a big player here not particularly the the trailer made me think that it was a different not that it was a totally different movie but that the ensemble would be more a part of the movie yeah where really it's just the story uh to me the ensemble is the story of um what's her name the daughter 
Willow. Willow. It's the story of Willow. Very earthly name, yeah. And um, that's like the only reason that they're all there is to make Willow. And it's just to mm. serve her and then they just disappear, you know, in their own ways. They kill themselves or die. Yeah, yeah. Or rape and get murdered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the uh, the rape scene in particular, I couldn't tell you any many of these characters named other than Willow and Robert Pattinson's character, but that... Monty, right? Monty, nice, yeah. nice. Um, and then we've got Mia Goth. Mia Goth, Andre yes, Benji- she Andre is Benjamin the victim Julia of the rape. Pinoche. Yeah. Um, Almost rape, but yeah. Nearly. Um, but yeah, I did think that and that then, was like... like her, her roommate, right? Like the... Mm-hmm she was clearly a rape victim the way that she reacted right like she that looks like happy. some onset ptsd like psychosis where she was like i'm gonna fucking kill you and she did yeah yeah um i thought yeah. it was very rich with like humanity i guess and like yeah. the the consequences of these people being prisoners very bodily reactions like yeah um yeah a, a, a tough scene for sure but uh this is definitely in my top three scores of the year mm-hmm. um and, and that scene in particular where like all you're really hearing at first when that guy i can't remember his name is walking into me room and it's just like a synth or a guitar super kind of low and, and there's not much there but then you hear the cymbals you just hear two crashing of cymbals and then he kind of attacks her, and then you get, like, a big strum of the guitar, just, like, that crunching guitar. Um, like, that just kind of, like, threw me back in my seat. Uh, just just effective stuff. Um, tough scene, but um, quite well-crafted and quite provocative. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people reacted very negatively to it. I thought that it, mm. it was... I, I mean, it is rape, so I'm not for rape but i thought that it was a very good scene establishing like at that point in the film we don't really know what the relationships are between these people and i thought that that really sussed out like what the relationships are and what's going on in these people's heads like the fact that that guy thought that that was like a choice that he could make because they got tied down so he was like i'm gonna go for it yeah like just the frame of mind that these people are in as prisoners in this coffin going through space towards a black hole like i i i think that the scene really unlocked something about the the comprehensive ensemble for me that mm. without that scene i just wouldn't know what i know about those characters yeah it very much informs the film and i i yeah. felt like it was super sincere which is not true of all rape scenes right for sure like yeah. we got this and irreversible <laughs> yeah yeah uh i can't yeah i can't think of that many others to compare but yeah uh not an easy thing to pull off no by any means um but yeah uh i don't know that i have a lot else just gotta revisit it and i i really think it'll it'll just only go up um maybe as we'll, time we'll do on. like a um like three movies that we agree we want to revisit in like september yeah. or like whatever that it could be good especially because it's early whenever in the there's year. that one week of slowdown right before everything that's uh gonna win an award it thinks comes yeah. out well yeah we'll maybe do three of these that we think um deserve a revisit and yeah. this will be the first considerations i like it all right well that's the show for this week run go get to the chopper we have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. You're the best!